you will, please go ahead and turn your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. <clears throat> I'll begin reading at the second part of verse 3. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Okay, the second part. All right. <clears throat> For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever and ever. Father, we thank you for thy holy word. We pray, grant us understanding by your Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last time we discussed that Christ was not going to come until there is, first of all, this great apostasy, the great falling away, the great rebellion, uh, however you choose to phrase that. Of course, there may very well be such a falling away taking place on our own day and age. Uh, we see, seems to be anyway, could be taking place on a smaller scale. But we see professing Christians today who are denying the deity of Christ. They claim to know the Lord, but they, they deny who He is. They deny the truth of the Word of God. They deny the author and the authority of God's Word, and they are embracing wickedness all around the world that we currently live in. And so, can this falling away be in the very process even today? Well, yeah, it could be. Very, very well, it could be. Uh, so it is possible. Of course, we typically become America-focused when it comes to end times discussion, right? We don't really care what happens to the rest of the world unless it hits here in America, and then all of a sudden it's the end of the world, as if America had somehow replaced Israel in the grand scheme of things. Now, in other parts of the world, Christians have been, and they still are, experiencing some falling away. Of course they are. They're experiencing persecution, and they're experiencing it on a heavy scale. Do those churches experience falling away? Sure they do. A lot of people do. Those who merely profess faith in Christ, if they do not possess faith in Christ, they will certainly walk away from the faith when difficult days arise. They will leave. They will be out of dodge. If it begins to get hard and ugly toward being a Christian, then they simply won't be a professing one anymore. However, the coming apostasy is only the first sign that Christ had not yet come. And Paul is letting them know that Jesus hasn't come yet because he, first of all, they have not had that great falling away that he spoke of. 
And so Paul here is encouraging these Thessalonian Christians that, that they will not fall to the deceivers who tried to tell them that Jesus already came and that they were left out on their own. But Paul also told them that Jesus would not come until the man of lawlessness has been revealed. Is it possible that the man of sin is present today? Sure, it's possible, of course. However, he has not been revealed if he is present already. He has not been revealed and Christ will not return for his church and judge this world until this has taken place when he has been revealed. A little bit of background, and yes, this can be a difficult portion as well, right? A little bit of background. Paul wrote this uh, second epistle to the Thessalonians in about the mid-50s A.D. while he was on his second missionary journey. And Timothy and Silas, they are still with him at this time. And by the way, I don't think I remembered last time I mentioned Sylvanus as the Latinized form of Silas's name, and that of course shows his Roman citizenship. So, now we will consider our subject here this morning: this man of lawlessness under these three headings. First of all, the man of lawlessness described. Secondly, the man of lawlessness restrained, and third, the man of lawlessness deceiving. That is what he does. Now we will see that even though such a wicked person may rise up, the true child of God in Christ will not be deceived. They will not fall prey to such deceptions. It will not happen. It said it possible it will not happen because they are kept by the Holy Spirit of God for the great day. And so then we consider our first heading. We see in verse, verse 3 and 5, 3 and 5, the man of lawlessness described here. So has the great falling away already taken place here in Thessalonians? No. Has it already taken place today? No. Has the man of sin been re revealed yet? No. He hasn't been revealed then, has not been revealed today yet. Okay, so neither of these things have taken place. And so these Thessalonian Christians, they know now that Jesus had not already come and that the end was not upon them. Okay, that's what they expected to happen. How about us? Has the great falling away taken place? And that's this kind of mass scale. No. Has the man of sin been revealed today? No, he has not. So we know then that the end is not yet, no matter how many blood moon books you may write out there and put out for sale. Doesn't, mean, doesn't matter. He has not been revealed, and so the end is not yet. Even though both of these events may be very, very, very near in our own future. That's always the immediate possibility. It could happen any time. We read, For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, or son of perdition, you may have. It's the same word. Now having read that, can we rule out First of all, can we rule out all the presidents that we've had so far, right? Yes, we can rule out all the presidents that we've had so far. <laughs> he is uh, not going to be American, I don't think. And, uh, and it doesn't matter if they have six letters to you know, their first, middle, and last name. That is not the indicator that they are the Antichrist. So don't let fall for that. Um, some have been not really very good presidents. But none of them can really be described as the man of lawlessness as given here in our text. 
So let's rule that out as not one of our presidents. Okay, let's do that. But the day is the day of Christ. The day of Christ, the day of the Lord, when Jesus comes to judge this world. Now we know that this has not taken place yet. For all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and all will have every word, thought, and deed revealed on that day. Whether believer or unbeliever, we'll all give an account before the Lord Jesus Christ for the lives that we have lived. But that day has not happened yet. Now look then at this man of lawlessness. The expression itself is kind of interesting as well. One scholar said this, It comes, this man of lawlessness, it comes from a common Semitic idiom. Semitic, you know, Jewish idiom. A man of lawlessness and refers to a person whose life is characterized by his opposition to God's rule and reign. And by even the Greek Septuagint, the translation of Isaiah 57 verses 3 to 4 speaks of the sons of lawlessness who are children of destruction and the seed of lawlessness. That same kind of picture. These are those whose lives are characterized by opposition to God's rule and reign. And that we have to understand that. This man is called the son of destruction. It is used of Judas Iscariot, who is called the son of perdition. The same phrase uh, that's used there, destruction and perdition, is their final destiny. You may have it indicated like that in the text. But of this man of lawlessness, he will be one who opposes, we read, and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship. And so he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Well, so far we haven't had that happening in our lifetimes. But basically, this person seeks to be worshipped as God. Well, I can't say that exactly. There are those who would say they stand in place of God. But he will oppose and he will strike down anything that may hinder his own worship. And since we see a legal term used here, the word, the phrase is exalts himself against is really legal language. He may even use legal means to assert his position, to enforce his position. That sounds pretty logical. You can look at Daniel and Revelation and all that as well. But he does so as opposed to everything that is called God in this world. Not only is he opposed to the God of the Bible, the God of the Christians, but to anything else that may be worshipped. Any idol, any icon, whatever it may be, false pagan deities, all those people, he says, they are going to bow down to him or they're going to bow down to no one. Meaning he would have them killed, right? The result of this hunger that he has for personal worship is this. He will sit in the temple of God proclaiming himself as God. Now, what temple is this? Is it the Jewish temple? Uh, some say it could be the Christian church. Is it a temple of God? Paul is probably speaking of a Jewish temple, but we can't really be too awful sure about that exactly, okay, how that has taken place. But if you know your history, this, these events have happened before. If you remember your history, Antiochus IV, or also known as Antiochus Epiphanes of Seleucia, 
who called himself Epiphanes, meaning God manifest. That's what he described himself. That was his self-title, Antiochus Epiphanes, God manifest. He invaded Jerusalem. He spoiled the temple. He burned the scriptures. He forbade the practice of circumcision. And he killed many, many faithful Jews. And he started pagan sacrifices in the Jewish temple, the Jerusalem temple, in 167 B.C. So we have seen that happen before. Okay, Later, before Paul wrote 2 Thessalonians, and he would be familiar with this, he would know about this, the Romans themselves opposed the Jewish worship of God. You had the, the emperor Gaius, known as Caligula, in A.D. 40. Uh, Caligula ordered the soldiers to build a cult image of himself in the Jerusalem temple. This is A.D. 40. It's recorded in Josephus and the Antiquities and all that. However, Caligula, well, yeah, he was a particularly vile man, uh, but he died before the image was actually installed. But he had called for all that. These emperors constantly sought to be considered divine. They wanted to be considered as God. These men of lawlessness, they want adoration. They want worship. They want complete worship. And would the Christians of the time period here bow down before him and call him a kurios? No, they would not. And so they would be killed. And these emperors would kill anyone who refused to worship them. So back in Paul's writing, the man of lawlessness though, even though we had this potential thing with Caligula occur, the man of lawlessness he is speaking of has not yet appeared. Okay, Paul said in verse 5, he said, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? So they would know exactly what Paul was referring to in our next heading in verses 6 through 8. The man of lawlessness restrained. They would know exactly what is being referred to here, even though it's rather obscure today for us. We read, and you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. It's kind of a difficult passage, right? Not familiar with all the interpretations of this, right? It doesn't make it any easier. But these Thessalonians, Christians, they do know what Paul is referring to. He had spoken to them personally about it on his last visit with them. He told them before uh, when he was at that, you know, visiting with them. However, it is not so clear to us today. So yes, there are aspects of the end that are at work today. Yes, there are, but there are still things yet to be fulfilled. But first, Paul refers to something he describes it in two different ways. He refers to something that is restraining or holding back the man of lawlessness from being revealed. And the second time, he refers to he who restrains that revelation of the man of lawlessness. So that's what's being done. He restrains that revelation, that revealing of the man of lawlessness. Now, there are many arguments and many possibilities referred to. Some argue that this is the Holy Spirit but Paul is never so unclear about a reference to God. Never in his epistles is he so unclear in his reference. If he was talking about the Holy Spirit, he would be a lot more blunt about it. 
Some think that it may refer to the rule of law in general that existed that day, but that would not really prevent the man of lawlessness from being revealed because he had corrupt people who were in charge of the rule of law at that time period. Some think that it's the preaching of the gospel by Paul, which sounds good, but Paul never viewed his own preaching as that, in that kind of manner either. He never speaks of it in that kind of way. And plus, the church did not have that power in the society of that day to do such a thing. But there is another possibility as well that we have to consider. He will not be revealed, and regardless of the other possibilities, this one is still absolutely true. He will not be revealed until it is his time to do so. In verse 6, who has determined the time frame of all of this? God in His sovereignty. God has determined when this man will be revealed. God in His sovereignty has declared it and God is the one that will do it. God has determined when this will all come to pass. And so the man of lawlessness will not be revealed, but he will be restrained until God has determined it. He will be revealed, as it says, in His time in verse 6. He'll be revealed in his time, when it's time. Even so, the mystery of lawlessness remains at work. It was a present reality in the lives of the Thessalonians, and it's a present reality in our own day as well. This mystery of lawlessness continues in our own time period. There are and there always have been the presence of many antichrists. All through history, there have been many, many antichrists. Even you read about those in the epistles. You read about those in the epistles of John. You read about that many times. But there are many epistles. They lived back then, and they are present today as well. Those who would oppose Christ and the gospel. Those who are opposing His church. Those who are working lawlessness these are antichrists. Yes, antichrists, they have come. And the antichrist, the one final one, is coming, right? There's still one to come. But God is sovereign and still in control of all things. And since God is in control of it, what does that mean for the Christian? You don't have to fear it. You have no need to fear because God is in control. The lawless man will be revealed. He will be revealed, but so will the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Jesus will come and He will destroy the man of lawlessness with the breath of His holy mouth. And he will merely speak it and it will hurt, occur. Which leads to our fourth, uh, actually our final heading here. In verses 9 and 10, the man of lawlessness deceiving. Because that is what he does. Look at verse 9 and 10. The coming of a lawless one is by the activity of Satan and with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deceptions for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. We'll stop right there. And so this man of sin has a complete backing of the devil himself. He has a complete backing of Satan. Now why work false miracles, signs, and wonders? Why would he do this? In order to deceive the masses so that they would follow him and worship him, right? That is what their goal is. So he only wants to destroy as this man of lawlessness, a man of sin. The unbelievers then, he says, have rejected Christ 
And they've rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have hated the truth of God's Messiah. And so what do they have left? They have nothing left. And so they will succumb. These people who have rejected Christ and the gospel, they will succumb to the deceptions of the lawless one. In other words, going to believe. They're going to follow and they will worship him. They will fall for his counterfeit miracles. Of course, when he sells his little bottles of spring water, his miracle water, and all that, they're going to fall for counterfeit miracles. They're going to fall for the false signs and wonders. He is an imitation. He is a counterfeit. He is a fraud. He is not the Messiah, and yet these people are going to follow him. He is not the Savior. He is not the Savior at all. He is not God, and he is not to be worshipped. Only the Lord Jesus Christ is. But the result, they will be deceived and they will worship the lawless one. And in reality, they will be worshiping Satan. That's what they'll be doing. And they will die in their sins. Every single one of them will perish forever and ever and ever. Every single one of them uh, is going to refuse to believe. Everyone is going to refuse to repent. And the day of reckoning will suddenly come upon them in a flash. Like a lightning bolt out of the sky. And since they deem themselves unworthy of salvation, as the scripture says, they will believe the lie. They deem themselves unworthy of salvation. They will believe the lie. Verse 11 and 12. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion. Why? So that they may believe what is false. In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. None of those who embrace error will escape the judgment of God. They will experience the judgment of God and they will know the wrath of God unless in this life they repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ embracing the gospel in faith. But here these will not do so. They delighted in sin and they shall bear the penalty. And we are still talking about future events at this point. Those who are rejecting all around the world, those who are opposing the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only in America, but all around the world. Those who are persecuting the body of Christ. And remember, if you are persecuting the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, who are they persecuting? Why dost thou persecute me? Right? The Lord Jesus they are persecuting. If they persecute the body of Christ, they are persecuting the Lord Himself, but they delight in sin, and so they shall bear the penalty. They harden their hearts against Christ, they've hardened their hearts against the gospel, and they will believe a lie. And Christ, it says, will kill them with the breath of his mouth on that day. Probably don't hear that a lot from the pulpits out there, do you? Christ is going to kill them. He's going to on that day when he comes because they refuse to repent. They're rebellious against God Almighty, rebellious against His law. They will not repent. They will not believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. They will not have faith in Him. So don't be deceived then. Don't be deceived. Make sure that those and people that you encounter, make sure they know they must. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We have today. 
We see people dying all the time, every day, every week. People are dying all around us. You can look at the newspapers, look at the news, look on the internet. People are dying all the time. They must embrace Christ today while it is today. Because today may be the only open door of opportunity you have right now, today. Even now, because tomorrow may be too late. It may be too late. And what awaits those who die in their sins and in rebellion against Christ and His gospel. Only wrath and judgment. Sinners must be called to repent. Don't give them an easy way out. Don't just tell them, hey, Jesus loves everybody. You just need to accept them. They need to repent of their sin. If there's no repentance, there is no faith. They must repent and believe the gospel. That is what Jesus Himself declared. Repent and believe the gospel. If they refuse to repent, they're really refusing to believe as well. They go hand in hand together. It's a pretty heavy message that we have here in our text today. But we have to remember the day of grace is upon us right now. The door of salvation has not been slammed shut yet. But when the man of lawlessness is revealed... The day of opportunity closes as well. They need to repent and believe while it is still called today. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for thy holy word. And we do pray, Father, give us a little greater, uh, Lord, fortitude and strength. Father, give us greater faithfulness. Father, help us to truly seek the lost who are around us. Father, give us boldness to proclaim Christ, O Lord. Help us to be ready to declare to the sinners all around us, Lord, we know we are sinners saved by grace. But Lord, we call sinners to repentance and faith for the salvation of their souls, Lord. You command us to love your neighbor as yourself. And if we refuse to tell them the gospel, then how much have we really shown that we do not love them? Father, help us to truly be strengthened by your Spirit, we pray. Enable us, Lord, moment by moment. And Father, we do thank you that we still have the day of grace open before us. And Father, we do thank you that we still have opportunity to, to live for you, Lord, even today that we might seek your glory, that we might exalt Christ before a world of unbelievers. Father, we pray, Lord, use us to reach the lost, we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen.